I V M. Welcome to All Things Policy, a podcast on everything from employment to aircraft carriers. We are a bunch of policy nerds based in Number Bengaluru, and we like bringing fresh perspectives to Indian affairs and Indian perspectives to global affairs. I'm Yazad, an economist, and I'm Shambhavi, a cell biologist. Hello and welcome to All Things Policy. Many years back when I was a kid, I had read about David Wetter, bubble boy. Uh, David was born with an immune disease and he was very, very susceptible to any kind of bug. So he had to live in this plastic bubble uh, and was so restricted and I felt so sad about it. But I, and I still remember bubble boy and, you know, feeling sad that he couldn't go out and play or do anything that, you know, I could do as a kid at that time. It seems today that children with that same kind of immune deficiency have a better hope than David Wetter did. David died when he was only 12 years old. Uh, but there are new technologies and new uh, avenues for curing, or at least uh, helping cure this disease. Shambhavi Nayak, who's going to join me, and Anirudh Kanisetti, uh, tell us something more. So... You're right, and it was really difficult to see uh, David Better growing up, right? If you see even pictures of him even today, the fact that he could not hug his mother or that she could not sleep, put him to sleep and things like that, you know, the, the tiny things that we are so used to, he could not have. Uh, and that's because he uh, had this uh, disorder known as SCID, uh, which is an immunodeficiency disorder. So basically, in our body, we have uh, multiple lines of defense against bacteria or viruses that can cause disease. Um, and the most specialized of these are B cells and T cells in the immune system. They will catch any bug that enters your body and kill it off. Uh, because uh, David's body did not have this one, had a, had a mutant form of this one gene, these B cells and T cells were not formed in his body. And that rendered him uh, susceptible to literally any form of uh, disease. And the fact that he could not fight back that disease if the germ actually entered his body. So he, most uh, infants who develop this disease die at a very young age. Uh, and hence they have to be kept in this really sterile environment where there is absolutely no way of a bug entering which is very difficult to do and as a child I think it's very difficult to comprehend about why you're in this cage at all points of time. David spent a lot of his life in the hospital uh, before he was moved to his parents home where again he had to be moved in a special transport there was a bubble that was created in the parents home for him to stay at but he could never really go away from that. Uh, NASA actually made a spacesuit for him which was still attached to the bubble uh, but he could at least move around the house a bit but he found that also very painful because to wear a space suit all day long is not something that is very comfortable uh, and he was very resistant to it at the beginning but then he could actually go around the house so he so he used it but he unfortunately passed away before he could graduate to the next size of the suit that NASA made for him. The disease uh, is a X-linked disease, so uh, it basically comes from on the X chromosome. It is more likely to happen in male children because they only have one X chromosome that comes from the mother. They get the Y chromosome from the father. So uh, there's less chance of a dominant gene ban balancing out that, yes. that mutation. Yes. Uh, whereas uh, in daughters, because you can get a healthy copy, well, a normal copy of the gene from your father, you actually have a less predisposition. So David actually had 
a sister who was uh, who was a carrier but she herself did not suffer from the disease uh, and there was a child before uh, before david who was a boy but who passed away when he was 7 months old i think from the same skid disease so it is more frequently found in males than in females and you're right so recently studies have been done um, to use gene therapy to try and rectify the disease condition uh, back in david's time it was only bone marrow transplant that could be done from stem cells or uh, stem so cells from your siblings from your siblings so you actually take the marrow out of your siblings and put them into you the reason you use siblings is because if you use uh, foreign cells then your body could reject them because they are foreign to your body so your immune system could actually pick up that these are foreign and there could be a reaction there could be inflammation and things like that hang on but i thought that if you have skid then your immune system doesn't work for not all so. so some parts of the immune system doesn't okay. don't work but you can still there is always a chance that your body will reject anything that comes out of um that is not self uh, mm. so siblings is you're just improving your chances of accepting the tissue because it's your sibling and most of your dna would be similar so um david's sister catherine did supply did give her own marrow to david when he was 12 that's when the surgery happened but unfortunately and this was back in 1984 i think Uh, and we did not have the means of screening marrow we did not have the knowledge of all the different kinds of viruses that exist in nature or even in our body uh, and she actually was carrying an epstein barr virus that did not get noticed when they were doing the surgery oh no and she did not have any symptoms because she had a good immune system but when they actually transferred that marrow into david the virus attacked and he actually died out of complications because of that so it the scenario is pretty bleak in 80% of cases uh, finding bone marrow transplant um, donors itself is difficult uh, so many children continue to live under these in these bubble conditions uh, till the bone marrow transplant happens so this gene therapy hopefully uh, is a great um, new avenue for this for these kids So how exactly was this 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 gene therapy administered I heard that um it is actually the virus that they used to inject the gene into the boy's cells is quite similar to the AIDS virus so how, how exactly do viruses operate in that sense how do they inject their DNA into cells So it was actually the HIV virus so it was it was the, it HIV, was the virus. HIV virus so the way the virus is made is that a virus is basically a protein shell with dna or rna in it hmm. right this basically is what or how most viruses are structured and when viruses typically um, attack your cells they will find a receptor on which they can bind and they only inject the dna or rna inside hmm. the cell so the outside shell or the capsid remains outside it doesn't go inside the the infected cell okay and then the dna or rna which goes inside hijacks the cellular machinery and makes more proteins makes its own a shell and okay. then once the once the virus has made enough copies of its own dna and proteins it kills the cell and bursts out so that's how viruses are usually how viruses usually infect and duplicate so hiv is the human immunodeficiency virus so yes. it it attacks specifically attacks the immune system yes so it attacks the t4 helper cells okay. uh, because it can uh, pick a receptor on that so if you remember the experiment in china hmm uh where uh, hey jong kay said that we 
couldn't the that, crispr editor not the crispr baby. editor virus so what he was trying to do was remove that receptor hmm. from the babies hmm. uh, lulu and nana because uh, their father had hiv hmm. Uh, and he was trying to prevent uh, hiv susceptibility in the kids okay. by removing the receptor so the idea was that if you don't have the receptor hiv can't bind to the cell and therefore you can't have the disease and the receptor is produced by a particular sort of genetic code within human yes, cells yes it's a ccr5 gene we don't i don't think we have uh, established what it does otherwise but we know that it provides the receptor for hiv so you you can hypothet you can theoretically and actually practically also just like mute that particular gene with no known consequences yeah yeah so it, in this case what the, what the scientists did was actually use that known uh, mechanism of action uh, and just took out the hiv dna Hmm. so that it doesn't actually cause hiv but put in the gene that the that was mutated in the boys uh, so that uh-huh. their cells could actually make that human dna clever, clever. Uh, which is required for the immune cells to be formed hmm. right this kind of a therapy has been done before as well in the 2000s a similar form of gene therapy was uh, performed but and again in 10 boys uh, but two of them developed leukemia over time Uh, this is because when we do this kind of adding dna from outside the dna goes and inserts itself somewhere in the human cell hmm. dna whenever a gene has to be expressed there's a regulator above it which has to say which has to be activated right the problem that these boys had was uh, when the gene for making the immune cells was activated uh, the genes further down were also activated and started expressing more than they should have hmm. and these were oncogenes so these were cancer causing genes uh, so these caused the the immune cells to divide rapidly and so the boys went from no immune cells to too many immune cells and so developed leukemia right okay. which eventually led to issues there so in the new therapy what they have done is they have put in an insulator between the active the, the gene that was required the ilr2 gene Uh, and the oncogene so that the oncogene doesn't get activated accidentally so, so these are the new tweaks that have been done how does the and this, this is a bit of a noob question but how, how does the gene know where in the dna strand to in, insert itself why does it always target that particular area where the oncogenes are i don't think we know that and it it's not that it will always do that either hmm. uh, there are there seem to be site of preference where genes will go and uh, get stuck Um, yeah but and so with crispr what we do is uh, crispr allows us the precision of putting in genes gene sequences where we want to hmm. uh, with this kind of gene therapy we don't have that much uh, precision yet okay interesting so this is still in very early stages of development uh, this gene therapy for the bubble boys it is so these uh, that 10 boys who have got the therapy uh, in the last few years uh, all of them have been so the last one was um, actually um, left hospital a few weeks ago okay uh, so it has been staggered obviously not not at the same time the longest trial period has been for 25 months so they have been watching the child post treatment for 25 months and the child has gone home uh, and has not shown any symptoms uh, either of skid or of leukemia but they're still waiting because leukemia could develop at any point of time so it's too early to say on that front but at least all the immune cells have been formed so that is one good thing it takes about 3 uh, to 4 weeks to 
actually form sorry it takes about three to four months to form all of the immune cells so the child is treated in the hospital is kept in the bubble till the immune cells are formed and then released so we still have to wait and watch what happens but this is exciting because if this kind of therapy works then gene therapy would become more acceptable um, there really is no other thing we can do for skid children but there are a number of other genetic diseases which are similar hmm. for which we do not have treatments and which can be very debilitating for the child uh, and we could have a similar course of action being taken for those yeah. as well i was reading about huntington's disease for example mm-hmm. Uh, and this could also help in things like preventing alzheimers mm-hmm. so it has a, a much wider uh, application than just uh, skid children yes it's it's quite i mean the, the second i read the article i was like this is this is revolutionary to have yeah. this sort of method where you're essentially using a virus as capable of very quickly reproducing itself and essentially create the sort of self reinforcing loop of correcting the genetic code of an individual it's it's crazy yes i think every time shambhavi comes on the show hmm. uh, we have some science fiction becoming science fact <laughs> it is i mean it's quite awesome also because it was a learning track for scientists right we hmm. have it's not like this has happened overnight we have tried many things this was not the first gene therapy also done for skid children there was something else it was tried earlier using a different kind of a virus and a different kind of a gene but in that case the therapy wasn't very effective uh and the the children required multiple injections to be given over time to ensure that the therapy had some kind of benefit um so obviously we are moving to more efficient systems which is what we would like and we would like to learn on the way so this current system is a once and done so once the therapy has been given to the child yes. uh, you don't have to go again for any kind of repeat booster dose or anything of that sort mm. i think the the ch- the child's descendants would also not have that problem because the genetic code yeah. has been corrected perks of germline gene editing huh? so that's what is so that is the, i think the argument is right because now you are at least have to wait for the child to be born and then you are doing this with germline gene editing mm. you can fix it in the embryo itself mm. um and then the child doesn't have to worry at all so for david for example he had to be whisked away 20 seconds after he was born and put into a bubble so they knew that he was going to be born yeah. with this disorder yeah because he had a brother who had the same yeah, disorder yeah. they had obviously screened the parents and they knew that this could happen so, so this was possible david was born in september 1971 so this uh, this testing of this kid was prevalent even at that time yeah yeah so it's, it's something we've been battling for almost what almost a half a century and we finally managed to yeah Yeah. It's honestly quite inspiring if you think about it. The despite all the lies that have had to be lost along the way, it's good to know that we've overcome this. Yeah, and I think a lot of this stems down to the opportunities that were given to scientists and physicians to be able to develop this, right? Hmm. A lot of our current uh, thoughts about germline gene editing for example are extremely opposite to that. Hmm. People are calling for moratorium and ban. and so it won't allow this kind of research this kind of open mindedness obviously we shouldn't be putting people's lives at risk hmm. uh but we also have to be cognizant that when it comes to children like those who suffer from skid their lives are always at risk and improving them is what so matters the most another thing i was thinking about was you know what we call the european royalty disease uh hemophilia so is this kind of therapy also going to help in hemophiliacs 
it will so uh, hemophilia is interesting in in many cases and hemophilia is one of the reasons why recombinant dna became famous which was is a very surprising turn of event so um, recombinant dna was uh, we we figured we could make dna in the laboratory in the 1970s and similar to all of the chaos and panic we see with gene editing now uh, there were similar issues raised back in the 1970s about whether we should go ahead with this whether scientists should be allowed whether we are getting god's power and you know same Someone arguments about jurassic park and made a multi million dollar franchise out of it yeah. obviously with gene mutations we then had all of the marvel i mean i think marvel was <laughs> a lot to science but uh, so back then we had uh, the asiloma conference which was held to decide about whether the world should continue uh, researching recombinant dna and the public view was a, was one of suspicion and it should have been and concurrently then we uh, america witnessed its first epidemic of hiv uh, it started with the gay people but then they found a lot of the hemophiliacs Uh, because of getting blood it, transfusion. Because of the transfusion, and it was so bad at one point of time that if you had a severe uh, hemophilia condition, you had a ninety percent chance of getting HIV because you were so dependent on blood transfusions happening all the time. Comes in the recombinant DNA because now you could actually make that protein clotting factor eight uh, that helps your blood clot in the laboratory, and there is no chance that it is going to be infected with HIV. back then we did not even know what was the virus and what it was doing but we at least knew that in the laboratory it was not going to happen we knew it was coming from infected individuals otherwise right and it took 2 years to make to make that protein but that actually changed the public perception to recombinant dna technology and i hope that similar incidences like that which are happening now with gene therapy will make germline gene editing and gene editing itself much more acceptable to public but yeah there's so many diseases that we can we that's can an excellent with. point because um, wh- when we came out with our discussion document on uh, governance framework for gene editing and we had this round table where we brought in a bunch of stakeholders um, there was a gentleman who had an association of parents whose kids suffer from congenital disorders and the entire they were absolutely in favor of making this treatment more accessible and i think that if you were to just ask a parent would you rather um let your sign let this let this doctor edit your child's dna or let them die because of this lethal disease that is coded into their dna they would say yes go for germline all these magnificent ethical philosophical arguments that you are uh, dooming future generations because you don't have their consent i think are just so disconnected from the ground reality of parents who have to watch their children die yeah but one has to be careful about that anyway. i agree you have to be careful but the whole at least the way that the narrative around germline has been structured i think simply has not taken its life saving potential into consideration enough i find a lot of confusion in the argument because i see a lot of people bring out uh, risks which are clearly scientific risks because the technology is still nascent we still have to figure out what happens into an individual if we put it in but those are all scientific risks uh, the ethical risks are more about consent of whether we are allowed to make these changes or not and these are things that cannot be changed by law by regulation or just by doing experiments right this is something that should not change at all if you ethically believe that i should not germline generate my child then you should never believe that i mean you should never want to do that yeah. that's right uh, but if you believe that i don't want to do it now because 
the science is premature, then yes, that makes kind of sense. I think there's in the narrative there's mixing of both of these arguments together, and we need a better dissection of that. That's a very and, clear point because yeah. you're right about that. And if when it comes to ethics, then my ethics are different from yours, and then I don't think that a state or regulator should be given the choice of making that for me. You make the option available hmm. of germline engineering, and let me choose. True. If you're saying that it's scientifically in premature, yes, the regulator could come in and say that this is risky, we shouldn't be doing this. But if you're saying that you should not be doing this because I believe that it's, it's not to be done, then I don't think that's correct. Agreed. On that uh, very clear and concise point, thank you so much, Shambhavi. Thank you, Anirudh. Thank you. Thank you, Azad. We'd love to hear what you think about this chat. Check us out on our Twitter handle at Takshashila Inst or on our Quora space, All Things Policy. For the latest analysis and research on technology, strategy, and economic affairs, visit our website at takshashila.org.in and tune in for our next episode.